get going, I just want to say I'm not a mental health professional. I have experienced many things personally and I have other qualifications, but a mental health professional is not one of them. So I do encourage you if you feel like some extra support is needed on your recovery journey to connect with your doctor about steps that can be taken. I also just want to say if you feel you are in an immediate crisis to call the crisis line to call 211 and uh, reach out to talk with someone as soon as you can if during this podcast at any time you are feeling in a triggered state i want to tell you ahead of time it's okay we all experience it just shut off the podcast there'll be a time that it won't be so triggering for you and we are all here to cheer each other on So let's get started. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Trauma Care Burrito and this week we uh, get to talk about loved ones and living with someone who's experienced trauma and PTSD and kind of look at it from a different perspective. So I invited my husband to join us. Hi, Steve. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) It's going good. Um, So tell the listeners just so that they can get to know us a bit more, maybe how we met and a bit of our story. Okay. Well, um, I don't know if you've mentioned it on a a previous episode, but we both used to work for a nonprofit organization out of Mexico. Uh, So we both started there around the same time that we were at different locations. Um, And so... um, there was oftentimes staff going back and forth between the various locations and uh, a couple of times we, we met and we were kind of hanging out and uh, I was like, uh, yeah, who is this uh, this English girl? I kind of like her. So uh, we started hanging out. Well, the rest is history, I guess. I guess. What did you uh, think when you first met me? How did you know you found the one? Uh, the one... <laughs> Well, you know, uh, there was uh, one time where uh, we were we were hanging out and we were just having a conversation and, and I was having a really good time. And then the next night, you and a few other friends invited me to, to join you guys out at some coffee shop. And so I blew off my friends and and I followed you guys out there. And um, then you've you been com- following me since? Uh, well, you, you uh, spent the entire evening ignoring me, actually. <laughs> and uh, cast the whole thing into doubt but somewhere along the line I guess we got back on track I guess I did um, so okay for the listeners we've been married 17 years actually our 17 year anniversary is coming up next week no the week after I always forget it um, but when did like you start noticing maybe I have anxiety related mental health issues was there a time was it before we got married or the first couple of years or was there one thing that happened well i mean i I was aware of some of the stuff in your past that um you know would have certainly contributed to all of that um but i don't think that there's a moment when when uh you know you're like aha that's because of this um i think it's always sort of looking back you can uh, recognize these things but early on i was uh, concerned because sometimes we would you know we'd get into an argument 
and uh, you know, maybe as far as severity goes, it would be a three out of ten. And then suddenly there's a response that's like a nine out of ten. And I just really wasn't sure what to do with that. So, um, you know, looking back, I can I can see that you know that you were responding out of out of that trauma, um, and that whatever we were arguing about with was really just tangential to what was going on. Yeah. So, I mean, for loved ones that are out there that maybe live with someone who has experienced trauma. What, what would you say to do in that kind of situation where there's a fallout and it goes from three to nine very quick? Uh, well, a few different strategies. Um, if you can get a little bit of space, um, if you can uh, try and not follow the other person there, right? Like if you're at a three and they go to a 10, you know, you need to you need to back off to a two. You know, um, not to constantly become a doormat, but to realize that um, if you accept, if you escalate, then it's just going to get really bad really fast. Um, another thing is to just try and be aware of it when it comes up, and to not take offense. Um, and then the last thing I would say is. If, if you're a funny person, try and use some humor to de-escalate the situation. Sometimes that works wonderfully, and sometimes it fails miserably, but um, it, it has on occasion uh, short-circuited. What <laughs> could be a really bad argument? Could, it could. If you felt like risking it, you could do it. Maybe that's something that only works with us. You would just have to have expert comedic timing, which I occasionally possess. And then there's times that you absolutely don't. Oh. Um, so, I want to talk a bit, like, so the listeners here have not heard, like, my full story. But um, I, for those listening, I did have a period of my life where I had a lot of sickness. So, you know, Steve, for those who are experienced anxiety-related mental health issues because of sickness... Um, what was your experience, you know, when I was unwell, like, how did it make you feel as a loved one? And, you know, did you see any specific things triggering me through that time? I think it's always a matter of the stuff you don't know, as opposed to the stuff you do, right? If you have, uh, medical conditions, it's really easy to start to see, you know, a sniffle, uh, a little bit of skin irritation, uh, an ache or a pain to be something far, far worse than it is. Um, and then, of course, when you start looking up nondescript symptoms on WebMD, you can come up with any number of different conditions that it could be. Um, you know, the danger of amateur diagnosis. Um, so I think it's always just important to listen. Uh, but just to try and remind your loved one, you know, without making them feel condescended to that, you know, um, we all get very mundane, um, you know, medical issues that we deal with. You know, sometimes a tummy ache is just a tummy ache, you know, sometimes you got a rash because 
you know, you were wearing a piece of clothing that was irritating your skin as opposed to, you know, you probably don't have leprosy. <laughs> yes. Well, this is where, you know, your sense of humor came in very well because I have distinct memories of spiraling and you saying, well, and then your whole body exploded. <laughs> you realize how kind of like outrageous you're being in the moment. Yeah. Which I'm sure many people out there are. What about people, like, I think about people who maybe don't have anyone, right? Like, to tell them that. Oh, well, I think that, I mean, a, a, a support structure. Someone, right? Yeah, there, we, we all need a support structure, right? Like, if we're in a situation where we don't have that, that's a very difficult thing to try and overcome a lot of this stuff. Because, you know, when, when it's just you, you know, it's, it's, it, your own head can become an echo chamber. I, I think of it even myself if I feel unwell and I start to think about how unwell I feel I feel much much worse if I can get my mind off of it I'll feel much better but when it when I just kind of ruminate in it, it it's just gonna make things so much worse so I, I would say that anybody who finds themselves in a situation where they don't have those loved ones they need to find some um, support structure and you know that doesn't have to necessarily be family or uh, a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or girlfriend it could be you know like different organizations you support groups uh, church groups anything like that where you can you can have a community of people that you can reach out to um, yeah. for that kind of support um, you know so without feeling you know too afraid because I'm your wife but, you know, try telling the listeners and me what was one of the, like, hard things that you walked through when I was struggling probably at one of my hardest places when I, with anxiety and PTSD. Um, From the perspective of a loved one, not the perspective of the person struggling with it. Right. So I suppose there were some times, especially early on in our marriage, where again we would get to um we would get into an argument and like you would get so angry that you were like screaming at the top of your lungs and you know hitting yourself and um and just were you, there was just no talking you down um and you know i just was really not sure what to do so that was that was sort of the the, the worst of it um I mean, certainly the fact that you're a woman and I'm a man and, um, you know, if you do really, really lose it, you know, um, if you decide you're going to take a swing at me, it's going to have less consequences than it would if it were the other way around. Um, so I, I'm, I'm sure it's it would be very difficult if, you know, you were some uh, big burly man. And, <laughs> and I was a petite woman, um, but... Uh, no burly man <laughs> <laughs> or you know like a pear-shaped dude in his 40s whatever you know um but uh so yeah i would say you know that was i, I had the fact that you know i'm bigger and stronger certainly did help me not to feel physically threatened um but there were certainly times when it just kind of felt like emo emotionally i did not feel particularly safe and that's the danger, right? Like, I look back, that was one of the worst times of my life. It was years ago, but it was yeah. terrible. And I'm 
I'm pretty, I'm pretty upset. I had no regulation, and that's the angriest I've ever been, right? Because yeah. I had uh, that was the same time that I had a lot of health issues, and um, they'd done some surgeries, and I was facing the whole I can't have children thing on top of my past. Yeah. Um, and for those listening, like processing emotions and anger, right at the start of your mental health journey is just a total norm. And I think that's why it's really important to find someone who understands that and yeah. can walk through through it, right? Because well, I, I also think that, you know, if you're going through life, you know, you have people who you're in relationships with and sometimes it can be really easy to, you, you get in those situations where you can push people away. But when you get into a situation like a marriage where you're hopefully, you know, committed um, you're that you know that person sees you and you're you're I mean while there is tremendous value in um, the 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 constant the, like the uh, constant nature of the relationship and the love and support you get from that spouse it, it can be also be I, I imagine um, for someone who's experienced this um, it can be difficult because this person is always around and you kind of can't like, push that person away is sometimes it might be a reflex to do um you know because they're always going to be there and <laughs> you know the the relationship requires requires maintenance and so sometimes maybe it would be easier to just you know um be able to completely forget that a particular event happened where you know it, that in the nature of relationships that that can be difficult right um well, I, I mean, that come from such different backgrounds too, right? So yeah. it's kind of like you were thrown in the deep end when we first got married. All those. Well, yeah, I mean, are... I I came from a home where I I never once saw my parents fight. Um, you know, every the conflict was always uh, more under the surface than overt, um, and so, um, you know, it was a complete opposite situation, um, which I'm sure I was not the absolute best at adapting to either. So now I will say this for everyone listening, like for me that I think he was like the only one who ever saw me at my worst like that. And, and, and so you, you got to pick your person or your support structure wisely. Cause especially in the beginning, like everything is going to trigger you and and you're going to have moments where you're cross or angry or you know you're bawling your eyes out and you don't know why so that whoever you choose or whatever structure whether it be a person or uh, you know someone who's trained in mental health or a support group you have to feel safe enough to be in a bad place around them <laughs> right yeah you have to trust them and be okay with that I will I will also say um early on and my husband still has a tendency to do this but letting go and continuously prodding and wanting to resolve the conflict was kind of something that I found escalated me faster (laughs) yeah that idea of space that you said earlier is probably a really good piece of advice for anyone and especially if it's somebody who likes to resolve conflict very quickly yeah, which is definitely me. So yeah, that was always, um, uh, that was always a, a point of friction. It's like we're gonna we we should deal with this right now. No, no, no. You know, so 
and then of course that's something else you can argue about we can argue about not not resolving our argument <laughs> yeah and before you know it you're not actually arguing about the argument you're arguing about why did you and this and this and this and this and then before you know it the conflict has escalated yeah to, to a 10 again <laughs> and that's no one person's fault it's just the situation uh, so i mean like i say the same thing to everyone listening i know that not all of you are married or in relationships but everybody has a support structure and so it's really important for those who who like me have struggled with ptsd to know if somebody is prodding you to try and communicate the best you can that you need space um rather than kind of flipping out or remove yourself from the situation and give yourself space i will say this though that um when it comes to like the whole needing space thing one thing that if you are dealing with someone who is like myself who wants to resolve things immediately um saying you know just saying i need space um you know that in itself is not particularly helpful but if you can and, and this does require you to actually kind of bring yourself down maybe a little bit emotionally and this might be challenging but to say you know what i need an hour um you know to to, yeah. to set a time limit on it because otherwise you know those those things that are unresolved they just turn into something you can stew on and it does need to get resolved right like that that is important that we do deal with those things um if you need space you need space but try and set a finite limit on that um so that you know that there is the ability to cool down but the other person you know knows that this isn't just them getting blown off yeah and like we may have you visit again and talk about different things as well because i think a lot of people especially loved ones or whoever is involved in someone's life who has ptsd um it's hard on both parties because i'd love to almost discuss the f- idea of what it's like to have compassion fatigue from you know from your perspective at some point the idea mm. i've been around that person i'm having to you know do recovery with them how do you not take on their problems and not find yourself feeling emotionally tired and emotionally overwhelmed which again is a whole other topic but it's something wouldn't you say that's something that anyone can struggle with oh uh, yeah i mean when you're at your best it's really easy to be the bigger person um and to be you know that support that your you know that your loved one needs whether you know it, it may mean taking a, few, a little bit of uh you know verbal abuse um but that's okay but then yeah if you're coming to the situation where you're where you're already you know already anxious you're already upset you're you 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 feel like there's a lot of stuff in the air that's unresolved then you throw that on top of it and it's, it's very difficult so well yeah and for all those struggling with PTSD i get it it's hard i've gone through it like i said my worst was many years ago and steve spoke briefly about it but it's easy when you're at your worst to, to almost be in a bubble and only see your problems and forget that like hey this person that you're with or this support structure or whoever is in your life walking through it is also a human being with feelings and how mm. you treat them matters um even if you don't feel in control of your triggers and things like that taking on that perspective of thinking of that person is hard in the moment but i would say i've learned more and more over the years of us being married how to do that probably you know and then 
I don't know about listeners, but I look back at my behavior like those 16 years ago and whatever, and you know, I'm kind of a bit ashamed of myself. But mm. I also look back and go, I was at my worst and I really truly didn't know what I know right now. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, much as I appreciate being brought on as, you know, someone with experience in the in in the matter, the the fact is is that we're you know, we're just all figuring this out as we go. Um, I'm sure that uh, you know if, if you look back at that particular um, time frame, I was, you know, less than awesome uh, a lot of the time too, um, you know. And so, you know, and and I I think that for um, for people who do suffer with trauma, and you know, they also need to be quick to forgive, you know, because the people that they're leaning on often just don't get it. Um, you know, I, there's, there's lots and lots of times I can think of where, you know, I just didn't get it and was probably not particularly understanding and, um, you know, definitely could have done a better job at being supportive. I, I like that. I think being quick to forgive was is something that probably both parties need to do because there's going to be times that the person with trauma flips out or something happens, right? Mm. Both parties feel mistreated. But there's no road, there's no healthy road to recovery if you can't get past that together and get past it quickly, understanding you're in it together type of thing. Whoever, yep. the, whoever the person is supporting, supporting you. everyone so it seems like just kind of in the middle of our conversation there we cut out a bit so what I've done is I've um, kind of taken a moment for us to break and then kind of debrief a bit and uh, I know we're talking about a lot of different things from a lot of perspective and I just want to remind everyone like I know these topics are hard and everyone's in a different place in their journey and their recovery and it's okay not to be okay and it's okay to be where you're at because most likely I've been there um, most likely people in your circles and your life, you know, understand and you're working towards recovery. Um, so I just want to like encourage you as we talk about things from, you know, the different perspective and the perspective of someone who's in the role of peer support and all of this, that it's okay. Be kind to yourself, be kind to them. This is a recovery journey. Everyone's going to mess up. Everybody's, it's going to happen. But, you know, you're in this together. And uh, for those of you out there that haven't yet found that support, reach out. Reach out to someone who you feel safe with. Find a support group. Maybe talk to your doctor about a counselor, someone that you can start building trust with and sharing. You know, reach out to a close family member or maybe a childhood friend, somebody you've known for a long time. Um, and just as we uh, get back online with Steve, uh, I want to thank you all for tuning in. And um, thank you for being on this journey with me. And you're all doing amazing. Keep it up. were just talking a little bit about uh, PTSD and how it affects our lives and then we kind of broke out a bit 
So I'm just going to continue that. And the question I had is more along the lines of someone struggling with PTSD can have the tendency to, like I said, forget that other people have feelings. So, you know, for instance, you and me have a very clear understanding that, you know, I can't walk over you if I'm triggered or something's going on. And you have to be somewhat patient and understanding that, you know, I have a history there. So wouldn't you say to anyone who has someone supporting them in their life that to as hard as it is to try and think about how they're communicating, because that other person also has feelings, <laughs> right? Yep. And yeah. you can get stuck in that spiral very fast. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, you, you're, you're going to have moments where you're, where you're angry, where you're upset, where you're out of control, but you know, the majority of the time you're not. And I think you just have to realize that, you know, you, you do need to, uh, when you're, you're not feeling angry, when you are in control, you need to make sure that you, um, you know, spend the time to maintain those relationships. right like if it's if it's just if it's thankless and you're just getting screamed at all the time and there's you know then there's no acknowledgement of any of this then that just leads to that sort of emotional fatigue and that compassion fatigue very quickly um you know where if you know if whether is follow-up and discussion about those sort of things later on i mean that you can help that other person understand where you're coming from not to sit here and just you know i can behave however i want and just blame it on this and there's no no consequence to it um you know but certainly you know if if you kind of share if you open up and let the other person know what's going on they're going to find it a lot easier to um you know to operate with understanding uh, for future events yeah I'd, i'd say that's fair i mean I would say one of the things I say a lot is like to be kind to yourself and I would say that's fair on both on the side of both parties journeying just because you know if you have PTSD you're in your recovery you're going to have moments that like I said you're ashamed of yourself almost later you're like how did that even happen I don't know and then if you're the person walking with with uh with someone who has PTSD, there's going to be moments where you don't know what to do and maybe you wasn't as patient as you should have been and that's okay too. Being kind to each other and to yourself is going to be a really key thing um, in recovery and for both of you or whoever is in your your life, right? Mm. And knowing that as well, you're more than, you're more than this PTSD. Like you said, it's more common that we, that I'm not triggered when things don't happen. So understanding that your whole world doesn't become about this one thing. Yeah. We can enjoy positive moments together and enjoy life and don't make everything about this one thing all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say that's sure. healthy. Okay. All right. Well, close. Uh, so for I would just want to close with this for anyone out there who says maybe they're feeling broken, they can't ever be in a relationship again, and that whatever they're feeling is kind of overwhelming them, and they don't feel like they have any help. I mean, what would you say to them, 
and to the loved ones as a final kind of piece of advice? Um, you don't have to be perfect. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna struggle with with this. It's, I mean, we're all struggling, uh, and so don't beat up on yourself if you're, you know, not necessarily the best person uh, in the midst of that struggle. But at the same time, we need to strive to be better, um, to be more compassionate, more understanding, um, and to um, just learn to support each other. Yeah, that's a good last piece of advice. So. As we close this week, everyone out there, be kind to each other, be kind to yourself and learn to support each other. Don't worry if you're um, not feeling perfect because you're not. And have a good week and I will catch you all later.